Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to another episode of Sonographers in the Cities. I'm Lynn. And I'm Giselle. We are hoping that you're having a great August and thank you so much for tuning in to this special episode. Yes, we have a special guest on our podcast today for you guys and we have a cardiac sonographer here. Her name is Evie and she's based out in Chicago and she's here to tell you guys all about her journey uh, to becoming a sonographer and just kind of like why she became an ultrasound technologist and just so you guys can see what it's like to be a cardiac sonographer. Obviously, Lynn is a student. Now we have a sonographer here with us. So we're really excited to have you on the podcast so you can give us all your insight and maybe some tips and tricks for all the students and for Lynn since she's about to be a sonographer. Welcome. Welcome. Hi. Thank you for having me. Yes. Thank you so much for being on our podcast. Truly appreciate you taking the time out of your day. And we just want to hear your story and see what you want to uh, let everyone know about your background and why you chose ultrasound. Um, sure. So my name is Evie. Um, I'm a cardiac sonographer for about two years now. Um, I passed my registry last year and I'm trying to think. I think it was April it was sunny when I passed. Um, very happy day. <laughs> um, before that, I was a medical assistant in ophthalmology. So it's kind of like a different field from eyes to the heart. Um, and prior to that, I was a stu- nursing student, but it didn't work out. So I dropped out of nursing school and I got hired as an ophthalmology technician. I got certified, but I was not fulfilled in medical field. So I started digging and digging and didn't want to go for nursing. So I found um, cardiac sonography. So I became friends with the technologist at our location. He walked me through a lot of... Um, insights what it is and then at that time there was a girl who was his student um and she was in the school which i also graduated from called washburn university um the program was very untraditional because it was a one-year online certificate program um the school is um PHEP, um certified um it's a little tough school because uh it was 12 months 12 months of clinicals, uh, about three, four days a week, depending on everyone's situation. And then we had four classes per quarter because there were about three quarters. So we had some introductory classes. Um, but prior to that, I had to take some prerequisite classes. So like for every program that's out there, I had to do the same thing, you know, biology, chemistry, um, medical terminology I think it was um, and I have a bachelor's degree already so everything that I had transferred over and I was able to start the program um, the program is um, a little different because it would take students that are already somehow established in the medical field so either nurses or at the LPN which is the licensed practical nurse um, respiratory ther- therapist, anybody that has like some type of certification with a at least associate's degree because they offer just a certificate and sonography. Um, so I got accepted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, my previous um, job site, um, I had to quit my job and take the clinical. So I was 
um, able to do my clinicals at the hospital because I work at the outpatient um, center. So I had to move to the hospital site, which was a little further north from what it was. Um, it was just fun. It, I never had any labs. Um, they had to teach me from scratch patients. Um, so I did inpatients only with throughout my whole um, clinical career. And I've seen um, a lot of different cases. Um, I remember my very first day, they they took me out to outpatient's room and then they said, oh yeah, let's go and see a transesophageal echo. And I thought, okay, I don't know what that is, but let's go and see it. <laughs> so I went there and um, as the doctor was working with the probe down the throat, the patient started to code. <laughs> and they said, go get the nurse, the patient's coding. And that was it. I was like, okay, this is awesome. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I got the nurse. They went over and I saw them um, performing CPR on the patient. They got the patient back. Um, mm -hmm. They didn't finish the echo. Um, but yeah, that was just like a lot of instances like that as a student. Um, yeah. I saw patients falling, had to pick them up. So mainly my experience was inpatients. Um, some outpatients were out there too. Why maybe I don't like patients that much. <laughs> wow. We were yeah, just so uh, on our last episode. Actually, we were just talking about that uh, inpatient versus outpatient, mm -hmm. and uh, it's it's quite interesting to hear that too. Um, because Lynn also prefers hospital setting as well. You have more time um, because outpatients, you have 60 minutes to perform an echo. So you have to be very efficient and you have to know your protocol um, and your windows that so there's no like room for error with inpatients. It's kind of like, okay, you go to the room, the nurse will help you position the patient, which I had today. I do help my nurses with positioning. Um, and then you just, do whatever you have to do. Sometimes people just walk in and disturb you because they want to talk to the patient. So you have more time, I feel like, and you can just relax with the patient. And a lot of the patients are intubated too. So um, unfortunately to them, they are not aware sometimes of what's going on. So you just kind of, I mean, you have to talk to them sometimes. But um, I feel like you also learn more. Um, you see more pathologies um, in the hospital and in patient setting. And uh, yeah, now that's why I like it yeah. better. That's awesome. Lynn, how does this make you feel hearing it from the other side? <laughs> I'm just like, I'm just in awe. I'm just listening. It's like, when you mentioned about TE, I thought of Giselle because she once asked me um, about TE. I was like, Giselle, this is the perfect person for, to answer your questions. <laughs> I know when she said that. And then she said that they coded. And I'm like, oh, no. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. You're not going to. Yeah. Well, my doctor <laughs> wants me to get a TEE. So that's why mm -hmm. I asked Lynn. And then because I've never, you know, obviously I'm a general sonographer. So I don't, I didn't mm -hmm. even know that you guys did that. So that's kind of cool to know that you got mm -hmm. to see all of that. Obviously you had oh, medical yeah. background, but um, you get to see those kinds of things. And people think that being a sonographer is so easy. And I think it's so far from that. It is. And I remember at my clinical site, my uh, preceptor said, oh, yeah, we just make it easy. We make it look easy. So the patients are like, oh, your job is easy. And I'm like, yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> you, just, <laughs> you just make it look easy because you need to be efficient and you need to find whatever is going on with the patients. Right. Um, but no, even um, we at my current place, we do teach fellow, fellows doctors. Um, 
they come for a whole day with us. Um, and then I do my scan. I do my patient. It's usually during the outpatient um, time. And then when I have a little bit of window, like let's say 10, 15 minutes, I will help them find uh, your personal apocals and subcostals where they are learning how to kind of look for um, effusions or um, anything, you know, that's wrong with the heart. Um, because they do go in and they take take a little peek at the patient's heart first before they even call us if you know if it's emergent or if it's something that can wait till the next day which is really nice that's why we kind of teach them and put our hands on that and say like we have to be nice and good with scanning (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) so what what has been like the toughest part about um being a cardiac sonographer because you said this like we make it or you make it look like easy but it's actually not um I think the first thing when I started working as a sonographer at my first job um it was the outpatient when I was kind of slow um and kind of like talking to patients too trying to explain to them and make it look that I know what I'm doing when the what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um learning how to use contrast. Um either there's like three different types that you will probably learn and do later. But just to get more um efficient with it, you know. Um and then sometimes you have patients that are not compliant. They just don't want to do anything. They don't want to move and it's a little tough because you're trying to get that window but you can they kind of like say that they they're hurting and you're trying not to hurt them um or you have patients that are you know they say no I don't want to do anything and then just I sit there and I don't know what to do because I don't want to help them and I can't (laughs) so um I would say that probably and um my struggle was to get the perfect window, but um, I just listened to your last podcast and I agree with, I can remember who that was. Um, it's not about the perfection. It's about the diagnostic picture. Mm-hmm. So as long as it's diagnostic and it's good and what you see and you're 100% sure that this is what you see, the doctor will see it too. You're good. You know, you don't have to go and be like, oh my God, I have to have that textbook picture because mm-hmm. otherwise, you know. Yeah. not going to work yeah I, like I think that. that's hard I like that you bring that, that up though because um a lot of times the toughest part doesn't have anything to do with you as a scanner you know <laughs> you know what you're doing and you know what windows you're supposed to get but how can you get those when there's other factors that aren't in your control and right. that doesn't make you any less of a sonographer you know mm-hmm. that's just the the forces that are up against you and now you have to try to figure out okay now what do i do in this situation how do i get that diagnostic image even though this patient doesn't want to turn on their side for me mm-hmm. and it's the same thing for us in in ultrasound and like general where we have to uh like look at the pelvis but the patient won't let me you know scan mm-hmm. them um or uh, legs, which I'm sure. Uh, do you do vascular too, or no? Just cardiac? No, I'm okay. I'm interested, but I just do um, okay. cardiac. Okay. Yeah. So in legs, there are some patients who don't want to like lay on their back, and I'm have to try to get the medial part of their leg, but their legs are like together and they're turned. <laughs> so I I do what I can, right? And we all do what we can, and I love that you mentioned that because 
like I said, it doesn't make you any less of a sonographer. You know what you're doing. It's just right. hard to get those images. Um, mm -hmm. That is very tough for us, right? Because we are also very much so perfectionists and we want, we're taught. That's, yes. Taught to and I did have a patient today. Um, it was for LVAD. Um, it was, uh, it's a long patient that actually is like a long standing patient there. And um, I had to check the LVAD and the RV function. Um, I wanted to use contrast, but the nurse said that there is no IV available for the patient. And I'm like, oh, what do I do? But then you, you try to get the best picture. You try to show the doctor, okay, this is what I got. And then you go from every single, you know, view possible just to get it. And then you explain yourself, hey, sorry, I couldn't get it. And most of the time the doctors are understanding because they know the situation. Then they know the patient is kind of tough or they're intubated or it's just the body habits or any other factors. So mm -hmm. as long as you work with good doctors, you're fine. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. <laughs> That's so comforting to hear because like my biggest struggle in clinicals is um, trying to be okay with my images not being perfect because in labs, you know, we scan on our classmates and who have perfect anatomies because we're young and we're healthy. There's no pathologies. So that's like very comforting to hear. And I'm sure it is comforting for um, students who are watching this and listening to this. Yes. I'm trying to think of other, I really had patients today. Um, mm -hmm. I kind of oh. feel it already. <laughs> trying to think I had um, LVAD patients and then, oh, we did someone for a bubble study for PFO. Um, mm. There was a person, young, young person came in with um, left eye, uh, like vision loss. And uh, we just had to do bubble study. So we learn how to do bubble study ourselves, which I never thought you can do. But you actually can. Um, you just have to have a cooperative patient and the IV line should be as close to you as possible. You, we always try to add, um, check the IV if it's fine, if I need to press on the site or not most of the time not but if it doesn't work and you need a second person then call them so i did and we showed a little bit of bubbles on the other side oh that's cool, that's mm -hmm. cool. i love bubbles <laughs> i can always scream oh bubbles <laughs> me too have you seen fan in nemo i do I do yeah. the the bubbles every time I see like that's funny people outside when they're blowing bubbles so I was like bubbles <laughs> that's just it <laughs> All right, oh, yeah. so um, since you uh, shared with us some challenging or a difficult part of being a cardiac sonographer, what about your favorite part or a favorite memory that you have? Um, I, if you have any. I'm trying to think if I, if I have any. Uh, one time, I, oh, um, I would say a couple of months ago, I was uh, inpatient, scanning again, um, running portable. And I went to see this um, patient and she could not talk because of the trach that she had, but she was able to write something down. And I remember she, and you can see it on my, um, on my stories too. Uh, she wrote me a note um, and she said that I was fabulous, <laughs> which was really so sweet. sweet. You know, it's like fulfilling, you know, oh, I did great. You know, I, she didn't complain of anything. It just, you know, it helped her. Another great part is that you see cool things. You know, you see um, different pathologies, like you said. I just started doing stress tests um, on treadmill and dobutamines um, about a month, not even a month ago, I'd say three weeks now. 
Um, they're amazing. Oh my God. My eyes are just always like opening. Um, and the funny thing is, um, we, I do have a lot of positives. Um, my coworkers always say like, Oh, how do you get so many positives? And I don't know. I just walk in and patients are coming in and they have positive, um, stress, um, echoes. And, um, it's great because, um, you see the problem you report it prior to stressing them and either they will get stressed or not. Um, a few times we admitted a few patients. Um, one time I remember this gentleman was just stressed out after he was by himself and no family members. And I came up to him like, you'll be fine. You're in good hands, you know. And, uh, you reassure the patients so that they're in good hands because they're all scared and don't know what's going on. So, mm-hmm. so the, the people, patient interaction. I like older patients too for some reason. I don't know if it's because that was my upbringing back in Poland. My mom used to tell us to talk to elderly um, neighbors, spend some time with them because you will learn how to respect them and kind of they will teach you some, um, the goodness of life, you know, because they're so appreciative. Um, So, yeah, kind of, maybe that's why I like the older generation too. And they always have stories. Oh, yeah, I love I like their stories. Mm Mm-hmm. They have great stories. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean, especially for you guys with Echo now, do you guys get to talk to your patients during your scan? Is it okay? Or do you like it when they don't talk? You know, like. I think it depends. Um, if the image is fine, I would have a little conversation. But if as soon as I see the heart is swinging back and forth and the breathing is irregular, I say that I'm sorry, we can have a mm-hmm. conversation. I would um, talk to them when I, I'm switching from one side. Let's say I finished up personal that I go to the apical. We started talking about something. I will go back just to kind of make them feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I play music in my room. Um, we're able to play uh, Spotify or something mellow just to relax them because I do have occasional patients that are very nervous. They don't know what to expect. They're scared that it's going to hurt them. So I play music and uh, a few times patients just came out really relaxed and they said it's almost like a spa <laughs> yeah. for them. So, you know, you mm-hmm. do your best to make uh, your patients comfortable. And, you know, obviously we already know being in the medical field, it's hard to be mm-hmm. a patient and they're scared and they don't know what's happening. So it's it's nice that you get to provide that for them. I do try my best. Um, and then uh, I think I'm working also with a great team uh, we do support each other. We have a um, communication system by texting. So we created a whole group, and then whatever we need, we'll text each other um, in that group. Someone needs help with bubbles, or someone needs something else, or patient needs something. You just say it, and we'll do it. Or even with orders, um, whoever is portable, we have this extra phone, um, and then. If I'm doing a patient and I can't get into that sad echo, I would ask someone in a group, hey, do you have time to um, go in and take take care of that echo? And then usually someone is available. I would say like 20% of the time, unless we have 30 echos to do. (laughs) Busy. It's kind of hard. There are days when we have. How many do you do in a day? Um, So I work eight hours and it's about six to seven echoes. and it's Monday to Friday. I did a 10-hour shift before, so it was just random days off. So during the 10 hours, we did nine, eight, nine, just depending on a day, too. So, but I think I prefer the 
eight-hour days um, so I can enjoy the evening sometimes, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's interesting. So, uh, you do mm-hmm. five eights in the hospital setting? Mm-hmm. Okay. So we start at 6.45 and we're done at around 3.30. Oh, oh, mm-hmm. that's nice. Yes, that is very nice. <laughs> I mean, it is five days because I work, well, right now I work three twelves, but our hospital does mm. four tens. So, okay. um, but five eights and starting at that time and getting up that time, that's not bad. <laughs> it's not bad. It's actually yeah. pretty nice. I mean, I'm home here on 4.30. Um, unless I stay longer, I do stay sometimes over time. So I would leave around 4 o'clock or 4.30 if I get home. Obviously, a little bit later, it takes me about um, an hour. Sorry, my dog is oh. working. It takes me about an hour to uh, to travel. So, but um, it's not that bad. I can't um, complain or anything. We do get the call days, like I told you before. This is my last day of the eight day straight <laughs> call. Mm-hmm. Um, the call starts at five o'clock and it runs until six o'clock the next day. Do they call so, you often? Knock on wood, no. <laughs> I actually was asking Lynn if they did call at her place. Um, so I was curious if Echo did call because I didn't know if they did or not. Mm-hmm. And so they too. I had days, um, I would say six months ago, that I would be called in almost every two weeks, um, which, you know, you pack and go and do your stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it just kind of quieted down. So um, it. There is a protocol for the doctors to know when to call us. You know, obviously, calling for when the patient wants to go home is not a static call. (laughs) But when there is um, emergency, you know, someone has a heart attack uh, or um, they're almost in a tamponade or have fluid around the heart, yeah, you have to go and check that out. So, yeah, we kind of communicate that with doctors too, and they let us know. and it's usually the fellows too that we check and let us know, hey, I tried to scan, but mm-hmm. um, we need, you know, they need the special. They need the expert. <laughs> we need the expert. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so cool. So let's backtrack a bit. Like, um, so when you were uh, looking at your school and your program, why did you choose um, to be a cardiac sonographer? Like, why not another specialty? Um, so when I was in nursing school, I wanted to work in cardiology. I think it's just because of my family history has like some type of heart problems. Um, my one grandfather passed away from heart attack, um, 16 years ago. And then kind of after that, it was just kind of thinking, oh yeah, the heart would be a good organ because it's beating all the time. It's a major organ. And that's probably how I chose echo, uh, I don't think I considered other modalities. Mm-hmm. Right now I'm getting interested more in like vascular too because they're connected. And then maybe pediatric echo because I did scan a few uh, pediatric ones too. They're just cute. Um, mm-hmm. That's probably like I'll say in the future. Yeah. But um, yeah, because cardiology was my main interest always. Right. That's so, That's awesome. That- and you you still have so many years ahead of you, and mm-hmm. you still have so much stuff you can learn. And um, like you said, you can do pediatric echo, and you can do vascular. And mm-hmm. a lot of people, um, students wise, they ask me like, "Oh, I want to choose cardiac, but then like I want to choose vascular." 
like what do I do or they're like I want to do general but then I also want to do cardiac what do Mm -hmm. I do you know and I think that your approach to everything is um, really cool because you did a certificate program you already had your history of other things and so I always tell them like you can end up doing all of them you know it's really that's true Mm -hmm. that's that's really up to you um I I thought I I went to um, observe um, and I walked around because our clinic back in the day when I used to work at um, they had a cardiac general and I can't remember if they had muscular but I went from tech to tech and I asked about what did they look like what do you do how do you scan what do you scan Um, the cardiac for some reason just appeared better to me Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know maybe because. we had a connection with the cardiology in our little pod because um, our floor was uh, cardiology, ophthalmology, neurology, and all that combined. And mm. we were friends too yeah. <laughs> outside. So um, maybe that's why. And I've heard nice stories, crazy stories, and everything in between. And so it appeared to me that, oh, yeah, it's going to be a great career. But sometimes I do get questions from um people who are just applying to school or they are in school um asking which uh modality is better well they're all great um there's no better or worse or one is i don't know just sounds like it's better mm-hmm. um it's just on it depends on the interest you know if someone likes to do ob go and observe see if you like it because if without, I would say without seeing what it actually is like, you can't technically decide what what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, so just I would say observe. And the program that I applied to, they required four hours of observation mm-hmm. of the specific um, track that you wanted, because we applied to either track. It was either vascular or general or cardiac, and uh, I was I think the only. A student from Illinois. <laughs> I had um, I had uh, classmates from all over the place, and I remember we created a group with uh, three girls from uh, Colorado on Facebook, and we would message each other about um, homework, tests, um, how do you study, kind of explaining things because if one didn't understand, the other would understand, and would just keep typing. <laughs> mm-hmm. We would create notes for each other, so. Each and every one of us would do our own notes, but then we would share them with everyone else. I mean, with, among ourselves, um, the four of us. Um, and I would just stress out to every student, if you're in school, get a study group, study together, um, because that's how you learn from each other. Because one person will understand one aspect that you don't understand, you understand something that they don't understand. You know? So then you can fill in the gaps. Um, so that was great. We actually, uh, I'll say most of us graduated past and unfortunately it was during the pandemic because it was 2020 mm-hmm. and we planned on, uh, we planned on going to uh, Topeka, Kansas. That's where the school is located to uh, do the graduation, but um, it was postponed to later. And then uh, some people got pregnant and yeah. they couldn't travel anymore. So we said, oh, okay, life happens, you know, but we're planning on actually meeting in person because it would be nice to, you know, meet in person, but we never did. We're still friends. We sometimes yeah. talk. That's so, cool though. I'm glad that yeah, you made, um, you know, close friendships with your cohort. And mm-hmm. I'm 
really happy for you and glad that you, you know, found something that you really like, especially knowing your background history with medical and now you're you're here and you of all people know that there's so much room for medical, for medicine, growing, going into one field or the other. You still have so much more uh, growth ahead of you and we're definitely mm-hmm. excited for you. And we thank you so much for being on the podcast and sharing you. your tips and advice. Um, if if anybody was to want to ask you questions, because I feel like they would and will, mm-hmm. um, I actually don't know that many cardiac sonographers um, on YouTube or Instagram, and you're probably one of the few. Um, I'm sure you know <laughs> more than I do, uh, but could they reach out to you in any way? Sure. That- sure, they can definitely reach out to me. Um, if they're on Instagram, um, and let me think, my name is um, Evelyn underscore in underscore Echo Lab. So yes, that's, that's correct. Awesome. <laughs> thank, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, definitely, <I> <laughs> we'll definitely put that in the description box. But I find it um, a lot of the times I don't know who to send them to. Um, obviously, I send them to Lynn, but mm-hmm. also we would love to have, um, you know, someone who's been in the field for a while. And you definitely have a lot of great insight. And I think great advice, um, great stories and things that I think everyone, even students, even future, uh, uh, you know, people who've been in the field already, I think they'll take a lot away from this episode. So we appreciate it. I hope so. I remember in school we were, it's like a last thought. um, We told each other to push through. You just have to push through. Um, If you have a bad day, go to the corner, cry, eat ice cream. And keep on going, (laughs) (laughs) you know, eventually you'll be able to um, go through school, graduate, take the test, you know, and if you have to repeat it, you repeat it. I mean, I will admit that I took echo twice because the first time was really tough and I was in a bad situation. So I took it the second time and it was just flying colors. Um, I would say physics was easier for me (laughs) for some reason. (laughs) That's okay. It happens. That's very interesting because everyone I talked to said that um, the echo registry is so easy. And I'm like, Hmm. I don't know. I've heard that too. <laughs> Very skeptical. But, thinking, mm-hmm, but I, I would just take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> um, but study for it. Um, there is a lot of resources out there. And um, some people say to focus on one resource. Some people say to focus on a couple. I've had all my notes, all my books with me to pass the, the registry. And I studied from, uh, I think it was Ultrasound Registry Review online. And the questions were top-notch. Like, they were really good um, and pretty tough, too. And I feel like maybe because we study so hard and we go through those hard questions that are that prepare us for the test, the test will feel a little bit easier because you'll see the question and you're like, oh, yeah, I know the answer already. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's why some people will say, but I wouldn't say it's that easy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Linda, do you have any last minute things you wanted to ask her? Pretty much. I do not because <laughs> you covered everything. So thank you thank so much you. for your time. I know you have, you worked a lot recently in what your eight hour, eight days. So thank you so much. We greatly appreciate 
hopping on here and giving us your insights in the basis. Yes. Perfect. Thank you so much for having me. I, I listen to you guys every day on my way home. Aww. So Aww. <laughs> Thank you so much. We appreciate it. And we definitely will hope to have you on in the future and see how everything goes. Perfect. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you again. so much. It was nice talking to you. And we hope Likewise. you have a really good rest of your week. Thank you. Thank you too. You too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Have a good day. <laughs> have a good day.